Two Locks and a Cox. From Dylan's Radio X. Welcome to episode nine of Two Locks and a Cox with myself, Chris Bentley, the Johnny Vegas of Rugby Union Ian Dunstan and Dame of the Realm, Sarah Cox, MBE. On the field, the Red Roses win versus Canada, Exeter Chiefs win and a local rugby roundout off the field. Jersey Reds have gone bust, RFU with central contacts, and in the bin, a conspiracy theory in Rugby Union. Two locks and a cox. From Devon's Radio X. But first, Sarah Cox, Dame of the Realm, has done us one hell of a solid. We have got Hollywood, who has just done her first ever Rugby Union International in the middle, refereeing Scotland versus Spain. So welcome on to the pod, Holly. Tell us about your pre-match routine. So... Um, Pre-match routine was an interesting one. So it's taken a a bit of a U-turn in the last uh, couple of months that I've been back refereeing since having a baby. So I now have to factor in breastfeeding, which is is an interesting one. So so typically getting to the ground an hour and a half before, um, briefing teams, uh, chatting to coaches, um, and then I go and warm up and then have to factor in about 10 minutes to go and breastfeed my young four-month-old son so so yeah interesting one but good for me um that I get to eat more with doing that so so I can't complain how was it for you first international in the middle for the 15s you've done you've done sevens before but 15s international is proper rugby yeah like it it came at the being appointed the fixture came as a bit of a shock to be honest like obviously I had had our boy in June and um, found out in July that I would be going to WXV in South Africa and I'd started back training but then I'm like ah, right really got to start back training now um, and then in August um, thinking that I had a timeline um, to going out to South Africa um, then that being cut two weeks short um, we've been getting we've getting this fixture so so September like the start of the season was really condensed in trying to prep and get back to refereeing for this fixture because it was only I stopped refereeing when I was five months um, in the middle so it was only my sixth game that I've refereed since January um, but got a load of good people around me loads of support from the RFU coaches and obviously I had um, Coxie on the line which which was really good um, and Ian Tempest in the box um, so knew I'd be looked after, but yeah, it w- it was an amazing experience, and and yeah, I'm never fully satisfied with a performance, but I'll take it as a tick in the box, and then we move on to South Africa. Oh, you're a little bit better than that, mate. So <laughs> it was yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do, do you get a cap? Do you get a cap as a referee? Well, yes, you do. You do, yeah. but it's it's dependent on what the game is. So for the men, it's tier one versus tier one. Yeah. Um, but in the women's game, we don't have tiers. So I'm not 100% sure. So we were discussing this and I think it, it possibly will. Um, but we need to ask the question. We need uh, to tell them. We, we need to, to, we need we, to tell them, yeah. yeah we need no to tell them. No asking questions. Yeah, yeah, no, that's we need true. to tell need them. To tell I mean, them. that's just huge dedication to obviously something that you really enjoy and love. And and is as we know, rugby's not just something we do. It's like a lifestyle for us and dedication for you to come back and to referee until five months pregnant and then come back after that short time and uh, and be given that game because they must have the utmost respect for you knowing that you'll, that you'll do it and that you'll achieve it because it's an important role. But, but also, also, the Geneva Convention says sleep deprivation is an inhuman punishment and you've got a baby that's four months old. So how are you dealing with that? Um... I think Coxie will vouch for this. Our, our boy is is um, pretty chilled out and has only ever really woken up once a night. So, so yeah, in terms of people saying that your life's turned upside down, you'll never sleep again, I'm like, 
pretty cushy, to be honest. Yeah, you, can, you can fly a kite. Both of mine just didn't like sleeping at night. <laughs> yeah. I, I spent all of I, I remember driving up the M5, bawling, because the only way I could keep Beatrice asleep was driving the car. <laughs> Four in the morning, like proper emotional crying. Like, oh. All three of mine slept really well, but they were sponsored by Calvados. So. <laughs> Love, that. Love that. He is, he is, Huxley is one of the most chilled children I have Huxley. ever had. Yeah, Huxley. Oh, mate. Huxley and, Hunter. And, and, Huxley Hunter Wood. Correct. Oh, yeah. mate, strong. <laughs> and, and Holly, look, what, what I'm keen to do, last week we pushed a real positive agenda and Coxie was was explaining what it was like getting into refereeing and, and we're keen to encourage people to pick up the whistle and do stuff. There's a lot, there's a lot of people are not getting into refereeing, so I'd like to know about your origins in refereeing, why you did it, what's so good about it, and how we can enthuse more people to, 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 to become officials. Um, so I used to play. Um, so I used to play rugby league, actually. Um, my family's all rugby league. Um, played for England in the 2013 World Cup, which was pretty cool. Did you? Um, and you kept back. that quiet. Yeah, I got my first cap against New Zealand on my 21st birthday. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> you just, yeah. You're the gift that keeps on giving, aren't you, really? <laughs> She's done way more and she hasn't got an MBE yet. <laughs> you, 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 you played for Cullumpton or Saracen's third team once when you were however old and yeah. boom, dang with the round. I want Holly's story, shut up. Sorry. Uh, then played for Richmond in the Premiership. So uh, we after we won the final against Sarries, which, Coxie, you actually refereed that final. I don't I know did. if you remember it. Too. Yeah, the first... I don't know if you played interception try, which ta- caught you by surprise. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> I probably put that. I blanked <laughs> that out of my memory. <laughs> that having to do an interception try for a hundred meters. <laughs> no one loves that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was only like from like thirty meters out. But um, yeah, I'll have to send you the video where you turn around and chase me under the post. But so you're playing wing. Um... You've 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 dual code, and then how come you've become a referee? Um, so, so after that, played in Australia for a bit, then played at Quinns and finished off playing in Toulouse um, when I was like 27. And like, I kind of, I always wanted to finish playing off um, abroad, doing something a bit different. Um, so, so it got to that point, and I was like, in my head, I was there, like, right, I'm going to go back and play netball because I've played quite a decent level before. I'll probably like put my dip my toe into doing some triathlons, and then. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, did his refereeing course um, and he just became an absolute nause. And it was like, honestly, he is honestly a nause. He is the <laughs> is biggest nause. Is he a referee yes. as well? Are you yes. like a referee and super couple? Law nause. To just, quickly tell, just to quickly tell everyone what, what your husband does for a job as well. So he, when I met him, he was in the army, came out, COVID hit. So he became a waitress delivery driver. And then he got a job as Sir Jackie Stewart's uh, business manager, uh, what? the old Formula Formula One. world champion. So, <laughs> so yeah. No, you're like genuinely. You are Hollywood by name and Hollywood by nature. You're like oh, I just went off to Australia, played some rugby down to France, played a bit of rugby. Husband's Jackie Stewart's business manager. Just how I roll. Like, <laughs> Thank you. And I've got the best every, child on the planet. Every sport as well. And then your child, your child oh, sleeps yeah. all night called Kal-El, like going to be Superman. <laughs> Triathlon, all it goes. Yeah, so come on, back, 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 back to the story, carry on. Um, so then I 
I was playing for Toulouse and then I came back for a weekend on, and it was a Six Nations break. Um, so Em was still in the army and I was there like, oh, so what are we doing this weekend? He's there like, well, I'm doing this and you're going off to Trojan's um, RSC. I was there like, why? And he was there like, I booked you onto your refereeing course. And I was there like, for God's sake. He was there, like, honestly, you'll love it. And then we can just talk about refereeing the whole time. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> amazing. amazing. You managed to have a child. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so then actually did my course and then like I like got back to, to the army barracks where he was living and he just like looked at me and I just smiled. I was there like, yeah, I love it. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and then you've nailed it ever since. And does he does he well, ref, does he still referee as well? He does, yeah. Yeah, he does. And is it what what level's he at? Well, this is the thing. What's the power <laughs> struggle like? Because he started as the big dog. Oh yeah, I'm refereeing, I'm refereeing, and you have quite clearly like a Ferrari overtaken him. <laughs> I know. Um, so he's at level six. So like he's with Hertfordshire Society. But the um, you talk about power struggle, it's not at all. Like he's he's very very supportive and just loves it. So. So um, so yeah, we're. Like, we're this is like me and my. This might like me and my work wife, Coxie. Coxie used. To, I I got Coxie into rugby, and now I just look and go, "Wow, you're amazing, Coxie." I used to get Chris Bentley's <laughs> autograph, and now Chris gets mine. That's no, you and your real wife as well. <laughs> your real wife supports you throughout your entire life. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Really <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks. So right. So fi- final thing, uh, Holly. You you have now refereed an international rugby game you've got one hell of a backstory and we should do we should do a bloody podcast just with you just listen understanding your story because that this is rock and roll but I, I, what i'd like you to do is is extol the virtues of, of officialdom what's so great about it why other people should do it so i think for me i, I didn't realize that there was such like a good pathway in refereeing um and i and i thought that referees went out and they're all on their own and they had like no support and people just aren't very nice to referees but but in actual fact I've made some really good mates refereeing and like I've worked in some really good teams especially like when you travel for sevens tournaments like you're there with like 50 referees and then you just get you get to go to tournaments for free tournaments sorry baby in the background um tournaments that I like used to pay to go to and play in and like now I now you get everything paid for and then all your beers paid for at the end which is an added bonus um but I think like like overall you just it's sorry it's really distracting it's in the background (laughs) she's got like supersonic hearing so we were at a um, PGMT conference which is where you get all of the the professional referees and then all of the guys that are around that as well into one room and um, and she brought Hux with her and he starts like babbling away at the background like babies do and honestly I've never seen somebody turn and whip around like that's my baby What's, what's he doing? Why is he making noises? It's like, super, but no one else heard it. Right. It's like supersonic hearing. <laughs> this, like, it's like, he's here. Where is he? Where is he? He's, he's having the Coffee, best time you, of his you, life. You're talking to two dads. We've got that too. Well, I don't, you see, oh, well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have this. This is a new concept to I me. Haven't. I I learned how to block them out, like, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I can block Chris out. <laughs> Continue your story, Ollie. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I just didn't realize like how how vast the the rugby refereeing family was and and i don't think i realized how good the opportunities were um especially as an ex-player um so so yeah i think i think for me like there's been a clear pathway and something for me to strive for it's not it's not just 
a hobby that I do on the side. It's something that I'm really passionate about and enjoying. I love going out every single weekend and refereeing new challenges and meeting new people. Um, so yeah, like it's it's uh, it's an unusual world, but but yeah, it's something that I'm thoroughly enjoying. And it's also quite nice to just have your time back. Like when you're playing, and like you guys will know, like you're committing so much time for like team training, like your evenings, gym sessions. But with refereeing, like you go out on the weekend, do your game, and then in the week I can train how I want and do what I want. So it just um, I think it gives you a better a better balance with with rugby as well. Cool. So, so next stop is South Africa. Is Huck's going to be going out with you? Yeah. So he's coming out for six days with my husband, and then uh, he's heading home with him. And then my mother-in-law's moving in for a couple of weeks to look after him, which she's obviously delighted about. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And, oh, and Holly, what what's it like working with the grand old Dame Coxie? <laughs> be careful well, what you say, I, madam. I was so so starstruck. I couldn't even find my words. <laughs> <laughs> No, obviously, like, like Coxie is, I, I know, obviously, like, we use the word tra- word trailblazer quite a lot, but she has been the trailblazer for, for women's refereeing. And I think watching her um, progress, and especially that game that she did in the middle at Harlequins, my, my brother-in-law plays at Quinn's, and it was just, like, it was just an amazing occasion. And he, he was saying how all the boys were saying it, how unreal it was when Coxie came out and everyone was cheering her so yeah I think it's it's really cool and everything that Coxie's achieved and everything it's um, it's something to aspire to um and and obviously like I'd like to say that she's become a, a good friend now so so yeah she's a oh, it's, good it's not Coxie said she hates you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's your brother-in-law uh Will Edwards used to play sevens oh, and now and, and yeah. um, final one for you then. Are you are you doing any anything in the men's game as well, or are you exclusively in the women's? No, so I'm doing um, national league in the men's. Um, so so yeah, like my lead up to doing the the international, I just had one women's game before that, and before it was all nat nat two. Um, so yeah, at Loughborough students this weekend, and then we'll go off to to South Africa. But it's it's nice to get the balance. Like I, I like refereeing. The men's rugby, uh, just as much as the women's. Luga Baruga, Loughborough. Is that the Australians call it? They go, where's Luga Baruga, mate? (laughs) You mean you mean Loughborough? We all looked at you then, like, what are you talking about? I'm the one with the random proclamation. (laughs) Terrible. Nat two's is that the first? I think the first level where you have um, a team of you doing it, isn't it? Anything below that, you're by yourself, and there's part refereeing, part guesswork. Yeah, basically (laughs) strategic guessing. (laughs) Yeah, which we'll talk about in the local rugby. But uh, yeah, Nat two, you've got a team of you, which I think makes the whole thing much more rewarding because yeah. That you are a team of people working together. It's, it's weird because as you go through the levels, you've got more people with you, but it, you, you've also got better rugby. So a lot of the, the, the rugby that happens, the players sort it out for you. So you're then just becoming the facilitator. And the higher you go, the more they sort it out for you, but the finer the margins. So every time you do step in and make a decision, say at premiership level, there's so much more on that penalty than there might be sort of in your national too. But... They're sorting most of it where you just yeah, don't have to get no, you don't have to get involved. I, I agree with you. I played in the Prem and it's easier to play up the levels. It's actually yeah. easier to do. Yeah. But but it's 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 a lot more intense. Yeah. When yeah. you go, when you go down the levels, it's it's actually harder because 
people are doing things that shouldn't be happening. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> you look at laws that you haven't seen for about ten years, and you think, is it that, is that really a law we've got? Oh, did you did everyone see that one in Scotland where the, the conversion went and the boy back healed it over the post? Yeah, we discussed yeah. it on our yeah. WhatsApp, didn't we? Yeah, how good was that? Yeah. But he's, he, he'll be kicking himself because that made them draw. Well, no, he was kicking the ball, not himself. But Well, he should be <laughs> kicking himself. After. We discussed it on the WhatsApp group. I said I'd have given it and uh, I'd just been to Chiefs, so I was steaming. And it turns out the, the, the inside it's, decision was correct. Yeah, 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 it's in law. <laughs> Trust well, your it's, gut. It's sort of in law. We sort of wishy-washily got it yeah. in law there somewhere. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'd have done. Well, look, Holly, sorry, we're, we're just off on, on a tangent. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, everyone look out for Hollywood. She's going to be going down South Africa, refereeing there. She's done her first officialdom in the middle of, of, of an international and she's definitely going to be usurping Sarah Cox's crown in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot, guys. No, thank you very Two much. locks and a cox. From Dylan's Radio X. Let's get back into it. The Red Roses won 29-12 to complete the series against Canada. Any thoughts on that one, guys? Yeah, d- different game. Different game by the looks of things. Um, I think England are trying out new game plans, which is quite exciting for them. Um, probably didn't work quite as well, I guessing, as as they maybe wanted it to with the score line. Um, but outside of that, like it looked, it looked, you know, a, a decent game from from both of them. Um, the Canadians had a girl sent off early doors, didn't they? They did, they did. So the red card came in, um, and I think it like with any team you see it, um, it sort of spurs them on a little bit. And you wouldn't have known that there were 14 players on there and they were missing someone. So uh, I think I think there's some good learnings from both sides. To be you fair. got Tyson Booker boom in the mix. You're always going to be doing well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, my, well she's my second favourite. Sarah Beckett is just an absolute machine. Uh, and and I, I, I've mentioned this before. I played against their dad. The Becketts are just a and her brother monstrous family. Well, Charlie's just went. To, he's been to. Um, Australia. Australia. Played yep. for Eastwood, was it? In I'm not sure who it was. Mate, whatever it was, he's, he's done sim- similar to me in that he's done an English season straight into an uh, Antipodean season, straight back to an English season. I, I, I was messaging him saying, that you, you need to look after yourself because w- when you go back to back like that, your body starts to cave in. Was that the end of your career, was it? It was, well, I did I did uh, UK, New Zealand, UK, New Zealand, UK. So I did, I did five seasons of rugby non-stop and then strangely enough my body just broke down <laughs> funny that <laughs> Retrospe- retrospectively I just wanted to play every minute of every game I am I was... immortal <laughs> no but I, 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 I back in back in 2004 season with Chiefs we had a second team game and I insisted on playing for the second team just so nobody else could get anywhere near playing for the first team <laughs> but it's the Hellbridge away what is wrong with I'm you? the only player initiated into the second team of the club Keith Brooking got me it was quite uh, sad twice yeah True. Uh, and uh, move, move, right, let's move. Let's move the dial quick because we've had quite a good time with Holly there. Uh, Chiefs beat um, London Scottish forty-seven ten. Uh, Ross Vincent absolutely gas. Reminds me of me. <laughs> He's a machine, isn't he? And uh, they, he scored they... a try. And I honestly thought, why has a winger got strapping on his legs? Yeah. Because he literally gassed their winger. He gassed the winger, and the fullback was like. Whoa, that kid's quick! And then he yeah. got up and was like, "It's a back rower." Yeah, he's eight, isn't he? That's his, that is his position. It's new Sam Simmons. Yes, well, that, and that's exactly what you know, Sam was a slightly different eight for yeah. Chiefs and slightly different eight to probably anyone else. Maybe Zach Mercer's the the only sort of similar player before him for that gas and that sort of collision and acceleration. I mean, it's yeah. that acceleration that they get, isn't it? The oh, first mate. few meters, and if if you're coming off the back of a scrum and you can beat the the, the flanker, you can beat their eight, and their nine might have already gone. Yeah. Then then 
then you're in, aren't you? Pretty much, you've got a fullback and maybe a winger who's who's and, drifting to cover. And I was excited again. Russ Tuima came off the bench, and I think he could be he could be vital for the Chiefs because he's a bloody big bloke. He, he is big, isn't big. he? He's and I was big. I was talking with some of the lads. Um, I, I was I was up in the, the gods watching from the top deck. And I chat with a few of them. They said that he's he's got it all. He's he's he's, he's got the hands. He's got the ability. He's just got to get his headset right. And do, if, I if say, don't his... you think he's just a bit nice? Well, he's it, not got quite that. It'll edge. be interesting to see because if he gets a run out against a Dave Atwood or a senior second row who properly thumps him and and, and he's, he can see where he's at because he is like after the game I went and saw him. He's a big dude. He is a big dude. And and and, and he has got mitts. He can handle the ball well. He's he's strong in the collision. And you're thinking. He's, he's still relatively young. He's been fringe, isn't he, for sort of like probably four years at Chiefs. Yeah. He's been there a long time. Yeah. Uh, and him but, with, and with my, my new favourite player, Lewis Pearson. Yeah, well, who didn't think you actually even liked him. He probably, thought I was digging you? him out. He yeah. came around and go at me like, Lewis, genuinely, I'm really proud of you. I think you're doing well. And I happened to just stroll along and said, no, it is true. Yeah. Chris did talk about you on the podcast and he, he yeah. <laughs> no, he'd heard that. He'd oh, heard, he had heard. heard that bit. Yeah, he listens. Oh, okay, of course. Who else, who else was a famous listener that we had? Oh, it's just it's a, a referee. From the from the uh, from the north. Oh God, yeah, my yeah. Well, let's time check this. So um, Ian Tempest is a referee from the northwest of England. He listens. So I just want to say, I like their tempo. I hope it's all well made. That was that's good. That was um, that was hi hi Ian. I hope you're doing well, and hopefully we'll catch you to the Zoom. This is my scouse translation on, on the treadmill doing that, listening to that. We hear yeah, that. and then good lad. Um, moving on to local rugby, uh, huge result up in the north. East of England, Plymouth Albion beat Darlington Moden Park 27-17. Nobody goes to the far north and beats Darlington and Plymouth have... It's a long old way. Plymouth are in a two-horse race, I'd say a national one now. Uh, Rams have won everything with a bonus point. Plymouth have got two mega games coming off. They've got Sale at home this weekend, which means Sale are playing away. Sale away. And and then... Sorry. It's known as Enya. Yeah. And then they play Sinderford and Sinderford are always tough to beat. If Plymouth win their next two games, they are in the mix for promotion to the championship. What? I'm telling you. It's only the start of the season. I'm telling you now, if Plymouth win their next two games, they're in the mix for promotion. You Genuinely. get that though, don't you? So you can get a, a run of, of hard games through a season that you know are against the top because it's just the but way if, that if, it's if, drawn. If they do Cinderford, it's, they've just beaten Darlington at Darlington. If they beat Cinderford at Cinderford, yeah. they are right in the mixer. And they've already got Roslyn Park out of the way. They've only got Rams home and away, which will be, which will be league deciding games. Which would be great to see them back there. Yeah, I think so. For, for, the, for the county, for them, for everything else. And, and technically, they're in a box seat because the top two tiers are, are, are in a bit of a malaise. And we'll, we'll get onto that off the field in a minute with with finances. The, the national one clubs have to stand on their own two feet; they do it themselves. So in regional one southwest, it's uh, it's pretty much turning out to be one of those leagues where any side can beat any side. I mean, True Value, Launceston, Denport Services, Barnstable are still sort of at the top, having uh, only dropped a game. But they've all dropped a game. Uh, yeah, Denport going to win that league because their stash is ace. <laughs> And then Oakhampton, who've really struggled, beat Launceston at Launceston. Oh wow! Um, uh, and this is where we, one of the things we're talking about. Apparently, it was a a, pu- a, dry, a pushover try right at the very, very end that could have meant that Launceston won it. But the referee, by the time actually got down, and had a proper look. There was a hand underneath it, uh, and that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? You know, that, you're you're working as one. If you don't see it, you can't give it. Exactly, exactly. And you 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 put in tough situations when that comes. To, to that type of scenario because you're the only one that can do anything about it and you, you've got a f- full 
dig your head in there and try and find any anyone or anything that is around the ball and work out if it's been placed or not. Um, and yeah, you haven't got TMO. You haven't yeah, got... but this is sport and officialdom, full stop. Yeah. Sport is perfectly imperfect. Look, yep. at the, look at the furore going on with Liverpool and everyone's now going berserk that Liverpool... Um, they're going to lose the league because they... It's just the VAR Oh, thing. my God. Well, because of a multi-million pound organisation that sit there on, the, on their you know, high chairs, don't they, looking at all this technical stuff, and yeah. they got it wrong. And they've now had the uh, the audio leaked, or, or not leaked, they published it, and they're, like, really casual about it. Like, they're just deciding what they're going to have for breakfast if they or how they're going to have their eggs, you know, Is scrambled or... Scrambled or poached, or they're like, oh, yeah, and... Oh, we might have got that one wrong. Honestly, is that how it goes? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh wow. wow. I, yeah. I, it's, it's a little bit... <laughs> it's a little bit... For me, right, sport is perfectly imperfect and trying yeah. to make the perfect decision and now we've got this video referees and what have you across the board. I just think it's wrong because you, you, there's some decisions where we spend an hour and a half scrutinising and then every now and then you just crack on. I don't, I don't think it's wrong. I think the technology's there. We need to use it. I think what... Yeah, but, but, but we can't. Look at it. We can't. Well, no, no, but you can. But I think what the issue you've got is... Where rugby differs is we operate very much in the grey. So we can we have this sliding scale of grey from the, the, white to black to yeah, grey in the but, middle. But every breakdown, you could give a decision. 100%. And, I, and if, then, if and then I, on, the, on the one breakdown where you do give the decision, we then have massive scrutiny on that decision for two minutes, three minutes with, with multiple angles. But then the next breakdown, nothing. We just crack on. And, you yeah. can, and this is the point for me. Right, just let it go. Let no, and, and, and this is and this is the thing is that there's there's a lot more and a lot more to it that referees do, and it's it's almost like I you've got to engage in the game and you've got to see what the game wants. And you're right, if I applied the law book to every single scenario throughout a game, we wouldn't have a game. It just just wouldn't be there. Well, we say you're a conductor, aren't we? Correct. You're a conductor. You have to conduct a film. Chris wants to let it go. It's not frozen, Chris. Mm. You've just got to you've got to orchestrate. So yeah, you're a conductor. You're all of these things, yeah. and that's great. Um, and you think you know the amount of breakdowns that you've got, the amount of lineouts, kicks, all these sorts of things. You're constantly doing something, and you're constantly working out what happens next. Yeah, but 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 let's let it flow. Let's allow the referees to do it. Let's let them conduct. And sometimes they might get a bum note, but we don't need to stop the whole symphony and go, hang on a minute, we need to look at that bum note and make sure we get that bum note right. Let's start it again. It's stupid, right? Correct. But can I come back to my point with the comparison of the two, whereas football is slightly different? They operate within black or white. That's it. Mm. So when you look at VAR stuff, it either is or it is not. Yeah, you're either onside or you're offside. Exactly. Whereas within rugby... You can look at things and what's the materiality oh, yeah, of something? Yeah, go on, I've got you. What's cups. the empathy of something? So you you look at it and you say, okay, there's there's an offside yeah. out on the wing, yeah. right? He's, he's offside. Material okay. effect. Correct. Does it have any effect on anything? No, because they've picked and gone round yeah. the corner. Play on. So you play on. And yeah. you go, but yes, in law, I'm right. I can see that he is offside. Yeah. Right, yeah? So we can but, but we can then, move this scale. Let's remove let's remove the VAR. Let the no, no, you do don't it. need to Let you don't need do to it. no. You don't need to remove VAR. You need to allow poetic license. And you need to have people understand that half a toenail being offside, yeah, okay, it's offside. If we did that in rugby, everyone would be offside all the time. But you don't. You go, okay, well, but this, but this is the point. We've got the best officials on the field. Let them officiate. If they make if they make mistakes, I'm, I'm, it's poetry. It's symphony. The, the, the word you're using that's rugby union. That's yeah, what. But I want. that's not the way I the world works I don't want. Anymore. Hang on a minute. Set square rule up. We just we we just need to check but, that one again. No. 
We don't no, do let that. let the referees do it. We let's, don't let's do Let's lord the referees and say, crack on. If they went offside so much, it wouldn't be a problem, would they? Anyway, Sidmouth starting the season with an absolute bang. Five from five, which is absolutely great with uh, Sean Moulton and um, Phil, Dolman. Phil Dolman there. Fresh from climbing a mountain. Yeah, 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 which is really good. Um, so below them, they're the only one with a perfect start there. Lots of... Oh, I had a good chat with Kai Horseman about climbing the mountains. Greg Bateman, 149 beats per minute, average pulse for 10 hours climbing a mountain. <laughs> Kai, Horseman, Kai Horseman was on the rope ahead of, of, of um, Batman. He said, literally, he just dragged Be- Be- Greg Bateman up the mountain. <laughs> so Greg, I'm sure Greg said, will have a different He said story. Greg was hallucinating on the last day because he's like, like, can you guys just stop having a go at me? I know I'm slow. And they're like, we haven't said anything to you, Greg. Oh, bless him. <laughs> he was hallucinating. Like, it, Kai said it's the hardest thing he's ever done. Really? Wow. They, had, they had an Italian guide take them up... Um, uh, Grand Paradiso, which was their trial mountain, and then they had a German guide take them up um, uh, Monte Rosa, which was the big one. And I tell you <laughs> Kai, what, we'll Kai fell in love on. with the German. We'll get we'll get them on. We'll get them on to take us through that oh, entire mate, journey. I love Kai boy. He, he talks yeah. about it well. Anyway, um, continue your. Well, yeah, that's pretty much local rugby. Yeah, I mean, Topsham. I don't know. I can't mention them. They've they've now dropped two games. They they started really well. Starting to realise that's, that's what happens when you go into a new league. The you start well, and, and then and then the reality of you've got to do it every week. Yes. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. 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 So uh, five games in, they've dropped only two though. So they so they're doing well. Uh, again, Newton Abbott, Truro, Burnham on Seal, all, all propping up the bottom there. Um, uh, although Burnham showing how important Truro showing how important bonus points are. Um, by not having won a game but still being above Burnham. Well, so, that's very important. Everyone yeah. wants to be above Burnham. <laughs> when, you're, when you're down there, aren't you? Right, let's, let's, move. Let, let's move off the field. Uh, Jersey Reds have gone bust. I came out of nowhere. Hang on. Off the field. Oh, yeah. We have to remind us. Off the field. Jersey Reds. Jersey Reds bust. Go bust two days after they've just played extra cheese. Mm-hmm. So they just fulfilled a, uh, a fixture. We know quite a few people who were over there said they saw no sign of it whatsoever. No, the, the, uh, Kieran Johns, fan of the pod, was uh, was chatting with a money man there saying, yeah, we're totally solvent, it's all going well. But it would appear that in the background that the club was being propped up by the lo- Jersey local government and Jersey local government have, have said, why are we paying a private industry to do really? well? Really? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Can I say, the RFU is broken. Yeah. Big well, statement from you. It Very is though, isn't statement. it? You know, I, I can see shortly after this World Cup big changes happening and it's probably only right because we've got a premiership that's down to 10 teams we're now down into the championship with the winner of the championship who uh, couldn't get promoted because of the way that, that, that things are structured going out of business you know, it, it, well, the, the whispers I had is that Jersey had actually suggested they could have gone to Southampton or Plymouth, Portsmouth to play their rugby and the RFU said no you're going to stay there and what you've got is not good enough really? yeah that's whisper I had They've got a hell of a setup over there. They've just built a whole new, um, like, sports centre. Oh, they've got the, the, this elite performance sports centre, yeah. Yeah, they do, yeah. It's, it's really impressive. Um, but, but the problem is, if you're getting 2,000 crowds, you can't really have a professional rugby team. And you've got to fly over there. So yeah. you've got to think every other weekend, teams have got to fly either charter planes or get on commercial flights, and they're not easy. Um, and I've done it a few times. So I, I can see the logistical side of stuff if they were to get into the Premiership being a question mark. But for it to come out of nowhere, it's like, whew. normally you get whisperings. Normally if, some, there's a wanna, rumble if wanna, somewhere. If you want to get the inside track on um, social media, Warren Muggleton is the local Jersey reporter and he's been getting the scoop every day. And it would appear that the that the Minister for Sport for Jersey said we've we've had enough of support in a, a private entity. That's pretty wow. much 
to, to, to paraphrase, she's pretty much said, we've put a lot of money in and it benefit. It does benefit the island, it's good, but there's a lot more, you know, there's people who want disabled access to bits and bobs and, and what, why should I be funding what is ostensibly a private business? So, do you think this is a slight odd one because they knew that they were funding hotels, flights into it, um, mm. restaurants, people who sort of travelling with their teams, and it was good for the island. For I think I think there was, it was it was very much like you know, Chief Tony Rose is quite happy to say it's worth ten million to the local economy. The, the benefit of people coming in and, and commerciality that takes place because you've got an elite level sporting team. They were trying to say that it's good for Jersey for us to be here, so you should bolster this club up. But ultimately, yeah. rugby union. Well, rugby union's got to have a realignment, and there's whispers of realignment with the England team. Oh yeah, well the whole lot, isn't it? So all of a sudden, the we're broke RFU uh, have found 128 million pounds to central contract 20 players to begin with. So we started off with Anthony Watson, didn't we? Who yeah. we still don't know where he's gone because he's currently injured. Yeah, but is this going to end up like cricket, where basically guys will be so teams will not want their players to be centrally contracted because you're, you're going to have to pay a player who ostensibly you aren't going to see because you're in the England setup. Yeah, you are. So at the moment they get a certain fee down they each club for each England player. But I think they've looked at Ireland and Ireland did this a few years ago. Uh, they go with their, their training where they have control over their players and they've got enough that they can do a full 15 on 15 training session. They've looked at Ireland and said, wow, they've done really well this year so far. It's worked for them. Let's just try and copy it. No, I don't know necessarily that. They've tried it out with the women. They've contracted all the, all the all England the players. Women. Yeah. There's your there's your preliminary exam, if you like, or your 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 test of seeing if it works. And you you see this with the the women's game as well. It, it looks like they're they're trying certain things out to see if it works and and to see if, well, the, if the, it's... the women the, the men's game don't work as, as as a business. It's had twenty odd years. It ain't working. They're, they're seems... paying too much money. And the women's game, it's it's great that they're doing it differently because it might work. Well, exactly. And we don't know at the moment because it's only just starting. Um, but so far, it seems to be working pretty well. England, the, the women get to, to be in training camps longer, together for longer. That only then cements what you're trying to achieve and puts you in a good place going into 2025, into the next World Cup. If that works and it all takes off, I can't see why it wouldn't flip on its head and, and they start using the women's game as a blueprint for the men's. Wow. Yeah. Silenced you. You've done well. Like, I, I, well, no, you, it, it's it's true though, isn't it? We yeah. probably hadn't really thought about it, and because you know more about the women's game, I, I know it's what, happened in Ireland. What Ireland's, I'd like but... to do now is we are a minute away from being able to log in and get the sage of rugby on man on the oh. ground in France, Rob Kitson, and I think we'd, I'd like him to come into this one, and I'd also like to have a chat about conspiracy theories which are going in the bin. So we'll just take a moment, and through the magic of radio, we'll get Rob Kitson in the two mix. locks and a cox from Dylan's radio. Radio X. Rob's on the line, we're recording live. Rob, um, what? I want to get to France in a moment, but first and foremost, are you aware of everything that's going on with the RFU, with the central contracts? Uh, yes, we've had a, a few uh, updates uh, <laughs> this side of the water. It does seem a, a long way away, I have to say, when you're in Sedetienne or Lyon, it seems a, another universe. But yeah, no, I have been following it. Um, interesting. I, I, I think there's quite a few questions associated with it, I have to say. I, I don't think it's a sort of uh, one-size-fits-all thing, is it? I think, I think uh, it's going to need a lot of uh, teasing out the details, I would say. Yeah, and, and is, is it a bit like the... Um... The, the, the politicos where they try and sleep sneak something in when there's 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 drama going on somewhere else uh, it does seem a bit sort of peculiar that they've announced a, a fundamental change of the the, the structure of the, the national team yeah well i think so i think that's uh, I, I i don't think you have to look too far do you sort of 
political parallels uh, with with how the RFU often like to operate. Uh, I, I have to say, I'm I am uh, not across all the details as yet. Um, but yeah, I, it's one of those they've got to change something, haven't they? I think we all agreed something's got to change. Um, I, I'm not sure. You, well, there's all sorts of issues, aren't there? If you're giving away 20 central contracts. Well, what about number 21, 22 or 23 on the list? How are they feeling? What about guys who are injured and, you know, long? There's all sorts of, it's a, it's a can of worms, I, I have to say. Um, but yeah, they've got to, I guess they've got to look at all uh, possibilities. Okay, well, what we're saying is developing. We'll leave it at that. But let's move to the World Cup. What's the mood in like in France? We're getting into the final round of pools. There's some pretty juicy games coming up. Well, I, th- I think so. I've just, uh, it's been a, a, a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, clearly... The middle of the week, you know, the tournament just goes into a, a, a sort of almost uh, sleep state, doesn't it? Sleep mode and waiting for the weekends and those those big games. I was I've been very lucky. I, I went down to, to Lyon and, and Saint Etienne at the weekend. The Portuguese fans, I have to say, I was on the on the tram with the Portuguese guys and they've all got their wolf uh, hats on and they're all howling in the in the carriage. And it's it's great fun. And then you think hang on a minute, when are Portugal going to play another big test after this World Cup against some of the big boys? And uh, there's a bit of a silence when you when you talk to the, you know, the the chief people in rugby when you, when you say that. And, and that, they, they've got to find a way to give sides like that more of a go during the, uh, you know, the gaps between World Cups. But yeah, no, the, the World Cup as a whole, I think, yeah, we are approaching. We need a couple of good games this weekend. I think Scotland, Ireland, I'm, I'm looking forward to. I want to nudge into Scotland, Ireland, because Rassi Rasmus has been going on about the conspiracy theories. Is that, I, I've said that, I've said for the, for the pod today, it's in the bin. Is there any truth in the fact that Scotland and Ireland might sort of say, right, you score, we score, you score, we score, well, right, no, let's leave it at that? I've got it here. So the, it can happen if Scotland beat Ireland by 21 points or more with a four-try bonus point, an Ireland get a four-try bonus point in defeat, South Africa get knocked out of the World Cup. Newton's third Yeah, there's law. a lot of ifs, aren't there? <laughs> <laughs> but but, but it sense. could happen. <laughs> well, yeah. If, if, no, if Finn is, Russell goes berserk... You, you you do need a, a some sort of degree in in, in maths further maths to uh, to get to that point, but there is a point, isn't there, where I think if Ireland late on score a fourth try and and they don't want to get the conversion, otherwise they're they're out, you know. So it, it's a it is a, a ridiculous. I, I can't see it'll come to that. I have to say, but it's been quite fun for a couple of days. Yeah. Mm. Well, coming back to that point, there was the scoop because uh, it was Namibia that they played like two, three Test matches between World Cups. Uh, and obviously, there's been a change from world rugby. They've they've given the minnow nations the space, so we do have this this lull in the middle of the World Cup. But but it's it's also shown that the minnow nations, I'm sorry, tier two nations, they don't have the opportunity to play tests. Financially, it's very difficult for the the, the, the tier one nations to play them because they need to get full stadiums. And as we've seen, they're going to struggle. You know, England would struggle to fill Twickenham if Portugal came to play them. They might get ten thousand berserk Portuguese fans, but it ain't happening. So how? Uh, I'm sure you you must have had a fair few conversations with a lot of people. How, how can we go about trying to fix, remedy this, and allow the tier two nations to push themselves through? Well, I think it's going to be a big discussion in the next ten days or so. I mean, my understanding, and I think it's pretty much nailed on, is they're going to go to twenty four teams next time, uh, which obviously has its pros and minuses. But that would be six pools of four, so you'd have a you know one less pool game, I guess. Um, now there's been a lot of chat about uh, having a maybe a sort of 
plate competition, if you like, for for those smaller sides who miss out in the in the in the in the first phase of the competition. I, I understand that's uh, not going to happen. Like, well, because uh, it'd be like this. Because like, the sevens do it, don't they? The sevens play their small pools, and then you have a cup plate and bowl. And it would seem to that would seem to make perfect sense to have a World Cup bowl, World Cup plate. So that you could then have meaning for these teams, so they actually they're, they're playing towards something on the stage. And if it's at the World Cup, and you're playing at satellite stadiums, you know, Sandy Park, we sold out for Tonga and Georgia. You'd be able to progress the teams, and they'd, they'd get that opportunity. Well, I, I would say that I'm possibly not the one counting the money and, and how much it would all cost to keep all these sides on for several more weeks. Uh, what have you? But yeah, I'm completely with you. I think you've got to invest, haven't you, in the future of these teams? Otherwise, you just end up with the same. Same names at the top of the table forever. Uh, so yeah, I, I, but as I understand, as I say, they're looking, they, they're looking to expand it to twenty four teams, which would give more opportunity in theory. But yeah, the crucial thing is how, how much backup you give to these guys between tournaments. You know how many games they can play, what the domestic competition looks like, uh, all those sorts of things. You know, it's a big, it's a big subject, as we all know. Mm. We can see Argentina have really dragged um, Uruguay and Chile up, haven't they? I mean that's. That they're the, yeah. the local teams of the players that are going between the clubs. There, there aren't many big clubs there. They've they've been really good games to watch. Yeah, well, yeah. and and, and yeah. the Jusque who who once signed me, so you know that he's got a good vision for rugby players. Is obviously doing wonders with Portugal. I, I didn't know that that uh, he had that on his CV. That's amazing. <laughs> no, he, 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 <laughs> no one ever needed it, to know it, that it's, either. Yeah, it's not on his CV. It happened, but he, he never actually put it on his CV. Yeah, no one mentions that. Uh, so, so Kitson, you are touring France. Come on, I need some sto- some stories from the, from the the back streets of France. You've got to, you, you, you're on rugby tour. You're one of the main men in, in broadcast journalism. What what's happening? What what what? You've got to have some stories, some tales from from France. Well, there's been a lot of travelling. I can tell you that it's uh, it's um, yeah, been on a few trains. No, I can recommend. What can I recommend to you? I mean, you you you've been to all these places fifty five times before, but I'd never been to the old town in in Lyon, which uh, I can heartily recommend. Um, as a you'll you'll find a couple of nice pubs in there, which I, uh, I managed to sort of road test at the weekend. Um, but no, I, 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 it's been interesting. Nice Nice is obviously lovely. The weather's been great. I can I can recommend. Uh, having said that, it's it's um, we did get completely soaking wet uh, a couple of occasions. There's not much <laughs> standing at a at a train station um, it, it north, about fifty k's north of Paris, uh, trying to find the Irish training ground. Um, the the other day, yes, was uh, was interesting. But no, it, it's been it's been fun. I mean, I I think the World Cups are made by the people you bump into and the and the the fans that you see. And as I say, the the Portuguese have been fantastic. Um, those Uruguayans look quite fun. Um, I've bumped into a few Aussies who haven't <laughs> haven't been going to the games. There was more. There was more <laughs> Australians went to this World Cup than any previous. There's like twenty thousand yeah, Australians know. went. I mean, well, I've, I've bumped into a few of them because the, you know, they've they've come over to France and they're determined to enjoy themselves, but they've with their tickets and they're not actually going to the games because the team's been uh, so disappointing. And how about um, how about the fact Eddie Jones has become everybody's most hated man in rugby union? Every time the camera yeah. goes on him, the whole crowd boos. Yeah, I mean, Welcome it's to become be a, a bit of a. It, 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 it's not great, is it? You know, in in some in some respects, you could say, well, rugby's shouldn't be like that but on, on the other hand you know you can see why it's happening he's he's become such a sort of pantomime villain you know wh- wherever the truth is with eddie and you're never quite sure where it lies you know he's just become a pantomime villain frankly yeah well his, his press conferences have you have you had the, the joy of being in any of his press conferences yeah. 
<laughs> I fought my way up. They were staying. I mean, I, I don't know where the equivalent would be, but someone, let's say someone like South Moulton, um, <laughs> the other day, the equivalent outside, long way outside uh, um, St. Etienne. And yeah, they're all, they're all in there. And, and he, Eddie's being Eddie, but he's, he looks a bit, I've got to say a bit beaten down by it all when, when, when I went up there last week. Um, and the, the, yeah, there's a lot going on in Australia. I won't bore you with all the, the political machinations in Australia and the media organizations who are competing for TV rights. And there's a lot going on sort of behind the scenes there. And yeah, I mean, a little bit like England, they've got a lot to sort out. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're looking at signing some gun players from the end. There seems to be a split where some people want to sign the top NRL talent to, to bolster the team and others say, no, we need to invest in the grassroots. And the, the, there seems to be a real battle over in Australia. Yeah, completely. I, I think they've just pulled out for, for one of those NRL players. I think they offered him a contract and then the backlash has been so much. I think, as you know, how often do those guys really come good? You know, how many, if you look through the history of rugby union, you get past Jason Robinson um, and a couple of others. Uh, and there aren't many who, who've, who've, you know, be strangers to union, if you like, who've come over and made a, a massive impact. So, um, yeah, there are, it, it, you've got to be picky about who you choose. I think probably your wide, your wide men, your back three, what have you, you've got a better chance, haven't you? So this weekend you've got England, Tonga? Uh, no, you've got England, Samoa. Samoa. Uh, oh. um, but I'm I'm going to uh, Scotland Island, actually. Wow, um, oh, that's the one. Game. That is the one. Yeah. yeah. What do you reckon? Can, can, can the Scots do it? Can they qualify? It'd be great to see them have a. It's a little bit like Scotland played South Africa, and we all thought, yeah, they can give it. You know, this is their chance. They'll give it a go, and they got absolutely squeezed. You know, and they just sat on Finn Russell and and, and the blitz defence and what have you. So, I, I, I'm afraid to say I can see something vaguely similar happening, but uh, hopefully, it'll be fun for uh, the first 50 minutes. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm 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 back in Finn Russell to throw a few crazy passes. Duhan van der Merve to score. Put the pressure on the Irish fold. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I'm Welsh anyway. Wales well, are going to win this World Cup, so that's you know that's where I'm from. They're clearly not, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. And I, I think you're, you're dead right with uh, with Scotland, with Ireland. That that's exactly what's going to happen. We're, but we're going to see a really good sort of first 30 minutes, and then uh, Ireland's just going to start to put more and more pressure on them. Okay. All right. Well, Rob, thank you so much for your time. We're going to call it a day. We've had a very very busy pod. We were loaded. We started with Hollywood talking about being an international rugby referee. We've finished with Rob Kitson, our man on the ground in France. Incidentally, if anybody does want to have a read of a book around the world in 80 minutes, Rob's book is available from all good bookshops. And trust me, it's one hell of a buy. Fantastic. Thanks very much. <laughs> I left that for you there, Rob. Right. This has been Two Locks and a Cox. Thank you very much for listening in and we'll be back on your airways in less than a week. Two Locks and a Cox. From Devon's Radio X.